0: Hi, I'm Lauren Berlingeri, and this is The Hot Seat. And I'm sitting here today with Elizabeth Kranz, entrepreneur, jewelry designer, and my friend. And <laughs> longtime friend. longtime friend. Yeah. And we're gonna be sweating today in the sauna. Already sweating a lot. And I get to be super intimate with you today and learn about your history, which I'm so excited mm-hmm. about because I didn't even know that you were a beauty queen Yep. You were in the nightlife scene <laughs> for a long time, yeah. Turned entrepreneur and then mm-hmm. just your interest in jewelry in college yeah. is so interesting. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I know. It's been a, it's been a very windy crazy road. Um I feel kind of like I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Oh. Yeah. So when I was growing up and I think for a very long time as a young woman, um, not that I'm not still a young woman, I would give myself a little bit of time there. But I always assumed, or I felt like, there were certain steps that you had to, you know, boxes you had to check off, degrees you had to get, oh, yeah. um, time you had to spend to get to a place of like having your own business, having your own company, being able to make decisions like that. And um, you know what I've learned over the course of my career is that um, you you don't really need any of that? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I think that it, it can help a lot of people, but, um, I, I certainly realized overnight, like, oh my God, I have the capacity to create something really beautiful and, um, something that I feel like is important and therefore might be important or inspiring to others. And, um, I think as soon as I got over my own, um, like identity crisis mm-hmm. and was able to step into, I can do this, I am this, I don't need to feel inadequate because I haven't done a lot of the schooling or education that a lot of other entrepreneurs have done, then it just kind of started to take off from there. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that what you don't learn in school um, or, you know, that you can't really be taught is that you have to trust your own intuition. Mm -hmm. And when you can really click into that, then, you know, everything is limitless.
0: I always find the best entrepreneurs are the ones that just follow their passions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like school, a lot of the times, teaches you you know, how to follow rules and sure. not how to think on your own. And also, from my perspective, also not going to business school mm-hmm. and being an accidental entrepreneur, too. Even though since day one, I've always been an entrepreneur, like thinking of me as a kid, I used to like sell rocks and I was always like (laughs) trying to like, you know, deal on the streets to make some money. But I didn't realize like where that kind of came from. Right. Um, But it is such an interesting thing. And I I find the most interesting entrepreneurs are the ones that just followed their passions. Mm -hmm. And then it just so happened because... Yours is a little bit more obscure, and I think the interesting thing is you already kind of knew in college what your mm-hmm. passion was and your interest. Yeah, because what you studied mm-hmm. is a little obscure, right? It like is. It, yeah, I didn't I, even know that was
1: a college degree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't get the degree, but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I went to school for silversmithing mm-hmm. to become a bench jeweler. Um, but I also was studying history. A bench jeweler just ben- means someone that makes jewelry? Right, yeah. Okay. I, like, manipulate metals and, you know, work with fire and, um, you know, set stones and all of that really fun stuff. And I I also was in love with history because in school, in, you know, in middle school I was, I was a huge history nerd. And uh, so I, I was reading history, escaping into history, also going through school to become a bench jeweler. And, um, I mean, I, I think I, I dropped out after, like, one semester because oh, wow. I was just, like, so bored. I just wanted to, you know, bang my head against the door because I would finish all of my projects and be, feel really inspired. And then to your point earlier, it was like, but then there were so many rules, mm. you know? So I would do everything I needed to do, fulfill the the projects, the assignments. And then would basically be told like we'll do it over again. Oh, and sure, yes, I understand the merit of like do it over again to perfect it, but it just wasn't it wasn't the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I dropped out and moved around a little bit, but always kept my like my bench tools with me, and uh, like wax carving and. Um, I started to get more into how jewelry has been made in the Mm -hmm. past, you know, with my interest in history, right, right, and became inspired all the time, you know, and then um, I started collecting antique jewelry and um, like, you know, this about me, like, I'm someone where if, if I'm excited about something or inspired by something, I just cannot Get enough up about it. <laughs> that's a very nice way of putting it up. That's a very nice way of putting it. Um, yeah, I can't get enough. And I I can't stop talking about it. And so that became a way for me. I mean, I remember um our our friend Danielle, like one day she was like, Thank you for telling me again about this. <laughs> again, but <laughs> but you've got to share this with other people, you know? Oh and gosh, and so, so yeah. And she was like, You've got to put it somewhere and put it out into the world. And yeah at the time I was working in nightlife and, um, you know, I was working bar jobs and working in nightclubs and, you know, living this total vampiric life, but waking up early in the morning to work on my, my jewelry as Mm. well. And I just thought like, no one wants to hear me talk about history what, what, Like, they want to like buy bottles of whatever the fuck they're buying like but um yeah and then so I slowly just started putting it out there and putting it out there and over the course of time it you know people started to listen mm-hmm. and I started to find the or I guess people started to find me like who were interested in it and wanted to share you know
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the most amazing parts of the experience of buying jewelry with you from my own perspective is that you would bring out these pieces and then you would tell like a little story about it. Mm -hmm. And I was just like so smitten by it by then. And I know that with jewelry, a lot of it is just following your own intuition of what Mm -hmm. speaks to you. For sure. But then hearing the background, I think, is such an important part because I don't know how much you believe about, you know, jewelry taking on energies of their previous owners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what that means. And as you sell vintage, antique, used pieces, mm-hmm. it's kind of like very important that you tell kind of what the energy of that yeah. piece is as well. And what's the fine balance of the history to the energy to like reading someone and mm-hmm. feeling like what is it that they need? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's like everyone's first, um,
1: first like gut reaction is like, I don't want that haunted shit in my house. <laughs> I don't want to wear that. I don't want anyone near me. But, you know, I, I, don't, I haven't really encountered anything as, like, sinister as that. Maybe I'm missing it. But jewelry before the 20th century was really not made a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was made, you know, very, w- with a lot of intention. Mm. So, you know, you can come across, like, wedding bands that were inscribed on the inside. Or you can come across gifts between lovers or you know i just bought a coin that had a secret inscription between two women oh, who wow. were lovers yeah and it's it's over 120 years old so you know just like connecting and finding these little pieces of history or there was a lot of mourning jewelry where if someone passed away they would wear a piece of jewelry that commemorated their loved one and you know sometimes you find a lot of jewelry that mothers wore cuz they mm-hmm. lost their children and so you know there's a lot of joy and a lot of sadness in in jewelry and i think that Something that I'm in love with is realizing that um, the one is not better than the other. There can exist a lot of pain and joy and heartbreak in sadness and happiness. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everyone who comes to me or I think finds the Moonstone is seeking something, yeah. you know, whether it's to celebrate or be inspired or to just get lost in something mm-hmm. for a little while um, or to spoil themselves or to spoil themselves mm-hmm. and and you know it, it's it's important to me to know how I feel about the pieces in in my collection so that others can feel safer about connecting to how they feel about it. You
0: do such a good job of it. Thanks. I absolutely love my experience with yeah, you. Thank you And the weird thing is is I kind of remember you like, hung this necklace that I ended up buying in the bathroom mm-hmm. that looked like it was personally speaking to me. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, you did that on purpose as I, like, walked by and mm-hmm. I, like, fell in love with this piece. And then you came out and told me this story about it. It was just so perfect for me. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, that experience is by far way better than any other jewelry buying experience. Yeah. Yeah. Because of what you created Thank and you. the set, the intention setting, yeah. and the thoughtfulness. And well, I
1: I remember like because you you were like I this is this is what I know I don't want, want. yeah and but it ended up being something that you did want yeah. and I think that that um something that I'm learning is. When we are searching for jewelry or items to put on our body next to our skin to celebrate ourselves, sometimes we just need permission because yes. we don't know what we're looking for exactly. Yep. So you know, it, it's it's really fun for me and inspiring for me to be able to set out things that I think that you might find if if I just give you some like permission to find it on your own yeah and then it becomes a piece that you really do feel liberated by and that you want to wear because it makes you feel so fucking good yeah because you're just like you bought that for yourself you found it it makes you feel good, and every time you put it on, it's going to make you feel good. I never good. took it off, and yeah. then when I did
0: take it off, I lost it, and I was heartbroken for like three days afterwards. Okay, we'll, fi- we'll find the next yeah. inspiring piece. Sometimes you just got to like let them go. I know, I world. know, yeah. I know, that's the process. Yeah. But what did it look like starting The Moonstone? Did you just start by posting on Instagram and then realize people are interested in yeah. the stories you were telling?
1: Um, It was very clumsy, and I made a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like one of one of my biggest memories of it is I was working, like, three different jobs at the time. I was bartending. I was working in, you know, private membership. And also, um, I, oh my God, it's hot. What am I? <laughs> I'm like, what's my name? No. Um, <laughs> just got the first wave of it. I'm like, where was I? No. Do you want um, some water? Oh yeah, do I have water? <laughs> um, no, I was working, like, three different jobs. And, um, I was also just, like, hustling. Just, like, trying to find Pieces on the street that inspired me. Uh, on the street being the Diamond District, but I also I also had no money, and that's like the thing about being you know young and dumb in New York City. You're just working so hard, but then you wake up and you're like, why can't I afford my oh like I was there, Dollar
0: closet. I don't understand. So when I was living, uh, when I started higher dose, I was living with a friend because I couldn't afford rent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like my last thing to kind of make work otherwise i was going to go back to canada and
1: yeah totally. the dream was over i hear you i was living in this like little closet in the lower east side and our landlord's name was pepe and he had all this like santeria stuff out like chicken feet and like beads and stuff and he'd come in at any time and be like who touched my chicken feet I'd be like oh, well, it wasn't me i promise um but <laughs> it's hilarious stressful but um <laughs> but anyway i i remember one day i was like you know what I can't afford to have jewelry on my own, right? So, like, I don't have $1,000. I don't have $5,000 to go out and buy jewelry and then sell it.
0: So why would you believe other people would when you can't afford it? Yeah,
1: exactly. So I was going through this, like, total identity crisis, and so I came up with an idea. I was like, I'm going to make a list of the five people, like, dealers on the street, people who have jewelry, and I'm going to go up and I'm going to ask them if I can borrow five pieces (laughs) on Memo. And then I'm gonna sell it. And I was like, for sure. It's a great idea. <laughs> so I made this list and I had my like backpack and it was hot and I was you know, wearing like denim cut-off jeans and like a t-shirt and so sweaty. And I walk into the first person and I was like, Hi, my name is Elizabeth <laughs> and I'm starting a company and will you let me borrow like five and they didn't even let me finish. They were like, No. Um, so yeah, I left. Sorry. And I was like, that's fine. <laughs> Second one, same thing. Hi, my name's Elizabeth. I'm like inspired by antique jewelry. And yeah. they were like didn't even look at me. You didn't suggest like collateral? Like I, didn't, I had no idea what to suggest. No foresight. No no like nothing. <laughs> I just was like, this is surely someone. This is such a great idea and brilliant. And so uh, anyway I went to like four you know, I went to the two two more, fourth. And by the fourth I just felt like I felt like someone had just, like, kicked me over and over again. And I remember just, you know, feeling like my backpack was really heavy. It was hot. I had to go, you know, I had to run straight to work after that. And feeling like, uh, who am I to think that I could do something like this? Like, who's going to trust me? Why me? Like, you know, I'm asking people to borrow their jewelry. Like, mm-hmm. you know, feeling really down. And I started to go down the, the subway steps, and there was one person, like, one person that was last on my list, and they were to the left before I, I got into the the subway station, and I thought, you know, what's well, one more kick in the tits? And mm-hmm. I'll just go ask them, yeah. too, you know? Yeah. And I walk up, and I'm, you know, hi, my name's Liz. So I start the spiel, and he's kind of looking at me and, like, doing some other stuff, and um, his wife is there, too, and, and he goes, um, yeah, okay, like, so just pick what you want, and we'll write you up. And I remember being like, what? (laughs) And he was like, yeah, like, I don't have all day. Pick a couple pieces. And, you know, do you have your ID? Yes. Do you have insurance? I said, no. And he goes, well, you have to get insurance. Here's a card. Call this person. Get insured. Yada, yada. Anyway, he, he let me borrow 10 pieces. And that weekend I sold them all.
0: And And that's your business model, yeah.
1: (laughs) And so I walked back in on like Tuesday, and I was like, I did it! (laughs) I sold the jewelry, and everyone on like it's just like a long corridor, and I literally opened the door, and I'm just like beaming, you know, exploding, yeah. And everyone was like, Oh my god! Shush, you know. And so, but then he like let me take more, and let me take more, and he started, you know, he was he started my business, and um, he was the first person to believe in me. Yep. And now, now I do have money to buy inventory if I want. Now I can. Like, I have credit on, on the street to, like, go in and borrow large amounts of jewelry if I need to and, like, sell it. And it's fun. It's fun for me. It's fun for the people I work with. It's fun for the viewers. It's fun for the people who then get to have a piece of something I've found and, and a piece of my journey as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of, like, what kickstarted started it. And then, you know, I'm I'm always learning, though, because... You know, even recently, I just opened up my first retail store. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah, um, where is it? It's in Hudson, yep. Hudson, New York. It's on the historic street of Warren, where everyone goes to spend way too much money on mm-hmm. furniture, but it's all beautiful, and we deserve it. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's exciting. But even that, I opened up. You know, I opened up the store, and then I was like, oh how do people buy it yeah. Okay. Yeah. like so then point of sale system like um
0: figuring, you know there's always so, so much change. learning so much learning yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah so. cuz it is
0: a big pivot i mean i always loved your business model mm-hmm. by boring jewelry and then finding the right pieces for people and creating yeah. such an experience and then giving everything back that you don't sell yeah <laughs> i, I love that like, <laughs> you know yeah. um so to do it the other way where you hold on to the inventory mm-hmm. you know you have to keep the lights on you know, POS, hire people, becomes a whole different thing. But how's the store doing right now?
1: It's going really well. I mean, we've been, we've been open for just, um, you know, maybe a month, I think. And it's really nice to have a place where people can come in and be excited for me and excited to be there and, um, to like sit and share, you know, I wanted a place that felt like We could have a great glass of wine and, um, or like, a you know, some scotch and look at jewelry or not even purchase anything. Just like talk about how it feels or like,
0: but you're so good at creating experiences.
1: I love it. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like the people I that come in and they shop with me, like, I feel like they're creating experiences for me too. You know, yeah. like all these stories I get to be a part of or hear or listen and, um, yeah, it's my dream job. Mm-hmm. It's on pre- purely on accident.
0: It's my dream job. So good. Those are always the best stories. Mm. The hot seat is sponsored by the Edge Theory cold plunge tubs, which I love because we literally pop them up in our small locations pop them down, you don't need plumbing, it's super easy. So user-friendly and there's such a wide range of temperatures, which I think is one of the coolest things about it. It goes as cold as 37 degrees or as hot as 104 if you feel like having a hot tub after your cold plunge. Which we always do. (laughs) So use code HIGHERDOSE15 for 15% off. And we hope you check it out. Yeah, check it out on the hot seat. They're really cool looking too. When I personally met you, I was introduced because we were both living upstate. Yeah. And we were both pregnant. Yes. At the time. Yeah. And scared shitless. And I remember sure. I was pregnant with twins and I was mm-hmm. like eight months and feeling so crappy. And <laughs> you show up and you're like three months pregnant, and hardly even feel the baby, looking amazing. And I was like, Ugh. Well, I remember that story too, and you were like, Yeah, I didn't even think I could ever have kids. Right. And then the baby's here, and now I'm having a baby, and my whole life is being turned yeah. upside down.
1: <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, I've yeah I've been told I had like PCOS, and um, you know all this. You stuff didn't get they, your period for like I didn't a get year my period for years. Like never had a consistent period, and so you know doctors love to tell you your business, and yeah, they were like you're you know you're just so you know you're gonna have a lot of trouble getting pregnant. And
0: I got pregnant on accident. For Sure, and it's so funny because now seeing you as a mother, you are the epitome of a mother. Like, Thank you. I feel like you were born a mother, yeah. She changed it's my life so my natural daughter. for you, oh. and it's so amazing to see your relationship together. So, yeah. to think back that you once thought you could never have right kids, and yeah. you just were fine with that, too. As oh, well. yeah, yeah.
1: I, I was like, you know, that's it's not, not top of my list, you know, to become a mother. I uh, I come from a really large family. Um, my mother's a second of 10, and my dad's a fifth of eight. Like, totally. Like the last thing I a lot of more people it. In the world. yeah, yeah. I mean, and they're wonderful. I love them all. But I was like, you know, if I like skip out of this next round of the gene pool, I don't think it'll be too bad for everyone at large. But yeah, there she was. There was my daughter, and it's just like she changed my life. She's everything, everything and more that I I didn't know I needed. You know. So healing, isn't it? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I know you can relate to this, but like when I held her, you know, the midwife said, you know, it's a girl. I just like, everything was different for me because all of a sudden I, I realized how, what I wanted for her Mm -hmm. and, um, that no one could pave that, but me, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I I think that we will fuck it up as, as mothers, as parents, like, but all I want for her is to, have a, a mother, a woman in her life who fights hard to live for herself, mm-hmm. you know, in like honesty and truth and um, bravery, I, you know, like being brave enough to make mistakes mm-hmm. and to sit in it, mm-hmm. um, which is like something that before I had Henrietta, I, I, I wasn't doing.
0: So do you feel like since having Henrietta allowed you to face a lot of your inner shadows. Oh my God. Thoughts that you've never been able to really hit on. Because when I first met you too, you were also had a very unconventional relationship. Mm -hmm. You were in a relationship with your husband at the time. Husband at the time. Husband. And then also another woman. Right. Yeah. Which I I don't (laughs)
1: recommend. (laughs) I mean, it works for some, but uh, yeah, just don't live with them at the same time. But I, uh, yeah, I, well, I, um, yeah, I, I'm a lesbian and has since come out as a lesbian. Um, always been a lesbian? Yeah, you know, it, it's... Or unsure. I, I think I, I have always been a lesbian. I've always been attracted to women, and I knew that from, you know, early, early days. And I remember very young having that conversation with my mother and feeling very unseen and kind of brushed off. And, you know, I, I was raised in a very Catholic family, and... Um, and a military family as well. And so it was just kind of like, not even, there was nothing traumatic about it other than it was completely dismissed. <laughs> and I then I felt very insecure. And um, I remember having my first experience with a girl um, in high school. It just felt so different in my body and in my heart. And it was so exciting and thrilling. And then you know, I would talk to you know my friends about it or something, and it was either you know people were like icked out, or it was like, oh yeah, that's just like what we do. That's what we do to turn men on. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm -hmm. And then when I moved to New York, I went immediately into nightlife, Mm -hmm. which you know I'm so glad that a lot of us are now being more open about how um, dark
0: nightlife is. Yeah, dude,
1: like. Fuck. It's just so, like, you Getting don't... Getting you
0: drunk oh, and yeah. losing all I, control. Oh, And this, my like, God. power struggle over, yeah. like, but I'll you, buy you the drink. Yes. And then next thing you know, you're drugged or, yeah, or just but, don't even but but know you're what also, you're
1: you But you're you're emotionally, like... You're rewarded for it over and over and over right? again. It's, it's so just like funny. you're such a good girl. You're such a fun time. Yes. You're so. I want you oh. to come on this trip. I want you to have these extra shifts. Like you take that table that's going to give you the so biggest much fun tip. when you drink. Totally. It's just like I it's, hated yeah. that one when I
0: stopped drinking. Oh, f- like what? Now no one wants to be my friend anymore because I'm right. not fun. Yeah,
1: anymore. yeah, yeah. Well, I for me it was the first time someone found out that I was attracted to women. I remember. It got then to my boss at the time, and I was. It was like late at you know late at night, early in the morning, and all of a sudden I'm called to a table, and there's this like beautiful drunk woman there, and it was what? I was like usher this there, like and a it was scene like of a movie. it was like whispered to my ear like she's into girls too, and I remember them like pushing us together, and it's just I'm like, surrounded by like. High and drunk men and women, I'm high and drunk, and I'm just looking at this, like, leaving my body, being like, this is not how I want to be with women. And so, for a long time after that, for years, I... Did you go there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like hooked up with her. Like I kissed her and like felt her up and she felt me up. Like, and I just, it, like, I want to throw up now
0: thinking about it, but like, and then the shame and, and all then the that. shame.
1: And then, so after that for almost a decade, I was just with women in bathrooms, you know, Sh- uh, hiding yeah, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I also didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel queer enough, um, and confident enough to seek out spaces that would have been safe for me at the time. Um, like, I remember one one time walking past the cubbyhole and I, I was like, tonight's the night. <laughs> I'm going to get in there and I'm just going to, like, meet women. And, like, this is what's going to, like, change everything for me. And I walked in and I was shaking and I ordered a beer and I was so embarrassed by how much I was shaking. I fucking laughed. <laughs> you went by yourself? I went by myself. <laughs> because, I, yeah. So, anyway, um, to, to, like, full circle...
0: So when did had, you always seek out relationships with men that they liked that side of you that you could bring a woman in?
1: Well, you know, even I, it was something that I would, like, let on later. Um, but I can also realize, like, if I realize my my pattern in dating men, it was always the same man. Mm-hmm. Like, I've dated the same man, and then I married the same man, you know, that I thought was what I needed to do to please whoever it is I needed to please. I mean, my, whether my parents or society or... The, it was what I was supposed to do. And the rest was, like, for fun, you know. You know, I had a a relationship when I was with my husband because I was just so deeply, like, in need of of female love. And, um, you know, then when we got together, then it very quickly became all three of us. And I, like, was hitting the panic
0: button (laughs) all the time. So, um, yeah, and then after I had Henrietta... And that was because they were both in it for you, right? Not for uh, the experience of all three? Like... How was your husband with this third woman?
1: Uh, you know, I, I'm i like trying to be very careful about not speaking for him. Um, as a whole for, mm-hmm. for him or or her. Um, but for me, I felt very suffocated. I felt like I was the center of what brought it all together. And I was. And, you know, I, at, I've since realized that I'm also someone who deeply craves
0: autonomy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is so important to hear this story of what it was like. 15 years ago for Mm. someone like you as opposed to the movement that's going on now rightfully so right because of all the shame and you know feeling like you need to be quiet right you can't really have that experience of knowing who you are to please other people like we need to have an outward conversation we need to have a movement so that people don't continue to feel like they're suffering because it's not society not approved in society
1: right and you know i when i when I left my marriage and I I knew that it was going to incur incredible repercussions and you know the guilt of that. How uh, old was Henry at the time? Um, just over one, like one and a half, That's I think.
0: So hard. Oh yeah. God, I it was
1: devastating and then I had to share time with her and that that was devastating as well. But, you know, being having to sit with myself and also like mourn, you know, the, the 15 years, the 20 years that I, I didn't feel in my body, Mm -hmm. you know, and like mourning all of the time I slept with men because I've just was waiting for something to feel right, you know? And I've, I've now gathered all of like this beautiful garden of love for myself. Um, and it just feels beautiful to be in it. Were you here. able
0: to mourn that while you were married, or did no, you have to no. be separated in order oh my to in space?
1: I was like a like a like a fucking caged wild animal, <laughs> <laughs> clawing at the walls, just like biting, kicking, scratching, because I was so just feeling so crazy, just so crazy, you know, like. And also it was COVID and I was just locked in, um, this, this place with uh, like extreme love for my daughter and like the greatest like passion you've ever known, right? As a mother connecting with your child. And, but then with this, like seeing the, the, um, the the inauthenticity of my relationship, just, like, before my very eyes. Right, and everything
0: you said you probably wouldn't do when you became a mother.
1: Right, yeah, and you and you just do it, and you just, you, I felt alone and crazy, and so when I finally left, then all the real stuff happens. So it was kind of like a, you know, I, I left, and I felt liberated, but also terrified, mm-hmm. and then you just, then you're just feeling like stuff is coming at you all the time, mm-hmm. because not doing work, not going to therapy, not writing and figuring out and like, you know, pacing the room and, you know, talking to the walls wasn't an option for me. I had to do it if I was going, going to not only survive, but to really seize a life that I want. Mm -hmm. Um, because I want a big life. I want an exciting life. I want a full life. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't happen until you can really love yourself. And I want that because I want that for my daughter as a woman. Mm -hmm. And, um, You know, it was really hard. Um, Also great. Mm Because for the first time in my life, I was having, like, the sex I always wanted to have. And, you know, I always thought it was hard to have orgasms. And turns out I was just sleeping with men. (laughs) So.
0: um, Well, a lot of it has to do with the psychological aspect of orgasming for women. Whereas men, they can kind of shut off their brain. and Right just feel it yeah. where well, we're like so in tune uh, with every part of our yeah. body so if something doesn't feel right right it's gonna block it's just, not yeah. it to happen.
1: i mean i could i could talk your ear off for like hours about you know sex with women it's insane it's phenomenal but um i yeah so then like but then having to sit with what do i actually want who am i um and i for a long time like for you know I just thought I wanted to just be like a fuck boy, (laughs) live with myself, be with myself, have amazing sex, travel, like have this big life. And then I met my my partner um, and, uh, you know, she was kind of on her. She had just gotten out of a a divorce from from her ex-wife, now ex-wife. And we met kind of on the same trajectory like broken heart yeah I mean broken heart but also empty. so liberated mm-hmm. not empty that then that's like that's like the really I think the important connection is like we met and we don't fill things for each other
0: we, so you did the work yeah and then felt liberated and whole right you had this relationship with yourself and mm-hmm. then found the love of your life boom yeah.
1: yeah 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 so and still doing the work always doing the work but um yeah we met and um it's just, it's the greatest experience of my life, being loved by her and being able to love her. And it's, yeah, it's it's really beautiful. And I'm proud of, um, I'm proud of who I am and I'm proud of who I was, even though, like, I have a lot of empathy for who I was and a lot of sorrow. But I'm also, yeah, I'm proud. It just feels really nice. That's good. Like, yeah. you had
0: no issues introducing your daughter to your partner. I mean, I didn't or introduce her like, to rehearsed. anyone. Okay, I was so. like... My life
1: as a this mother. This is all about is you. Mine. Right. It is not for Smart. not for you or you or you at all. Right. And um, it also, but it also was a very easy way for me to like get out of things, and they were becoming too serious. I would just be like, well, you know. You're not going to meet my daughter so I'm going
0: to I think that's kind of, of important too because I think maybe a lot of people might hide behind their children mm-hmm. when going through a divorce. Right. Right? And it's like this is who you are now. You're just a mom mm-hmm. or you're just a dad yeah. and you don't know who you are. to right. go out into that world to find a partner, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're so, trying to find someone to complete your family and that's like not, not the right way to go and No, it. It. it's
1: not it. So, um yeah, it's continuing to evolve and May, my, my partner and Henrietta, like they love each other, you know, because I think it also was a slow burn, um, for, for May and Henry and, uh, it just feels really wonderful.
0: So what does that mean for you now? Is it, do you want to continue to tell your story so that it can help other people? Yeah. Are you supporting other organizations? Like what are you doing to help other people going through maybe what you were going through?
1: Well, I, I love to write and, um, I think that that those are skins that i'm stepping into more and more um and letting go of the fear of the things i have to say i
0: love following you on instagram it's like poetry when Ah, you talk yeah and you're so honest and vulnerable about how things aren't perfect you know this photo might seem like that and it's christmas time but here i am yeah alone right yeah
1: Yeah, morning morning like a, a lot of things and you know i think that for my for my business, it is a really beautiful way because jewelry can be seen as something so perfect, like diamonds and emeralds and gold and gemstones. And it's such a luxury. And it's like, you know, we, it can be something included. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, but (laughs) it's, uh, you know, it's, um, jewelry can be perceived as so perfect. And I think by the, you know, genes I was born with. I I think that I have also been put into roles where I'm expected to be perfect or expected to act a certain way. And I really want to just fuck that all up, you know? Like, and and just be real and be vulnerable and be a little perfectly ugly, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Like right now I'm writing about and thinking about and talking about like how familiar and friendly I'm becoming with my lower self. (laughs)
0: oh yeah I was like lower self oh yeah the like
1: shadow self lower self and really embracing that and like a lot of you know darkness and light and how it can coexist and I I find like a lot of antique jewelry you know was you know it was perceived as old or broken or discarded or um but it's still got these really beautiful bones there that can inspire and connect and is inherently beautiful so it's uh yeah and and I, I you know I I did a lot um, with the Stonewall protests. Um, So we actively raise money and donate to Stonewall project. Um, Over COVID, I worked with this really, really wonderful midwife and doula and and doctor in Alabama to help build a shelter for black birthing women and and bodies to have a safe place. Um, And since the Roe v. Wade that has all shifted and turned and now we're actively seeking people to partner with that can, um, help bodies in need of abortion or, um, health care or sexual care, um, get to where they need to be. love that. Yeah. And, uh, Planned Parenthood always, Yeah, you know, like if, if you don't have that automatic, you know, that like weekly donation on, on your bank account, then, you know, you gotta stop what you're doing and you gotta do it because they need it more than anyone, you know? Um, but yeah, it's you know, and I'm always looking for, um, connection and to be inspired by the next group that that's doing far better work than I ever could you know and I I think that that's the the key is like getting out of the you know white savior role um that I think is very easy to get into and just listening to who needs the most support and giving it in the way that we appropriately should, yep. you know, most of the time people just
0: want to be heard. Yeah,
1: exactly. And like, you know, and deserve and need funds to, to help that on their terms and on their turf. So,
0: well, I find you truly inspiring, beautiful inside and out. Yeah. But Thanks. how can people... Find you, follow you.
1: My my the best place to find me and come spend time with me is on Instagram and it's The Moonstoned with an ED. Um so come spend time with me there. It's um it's a good place to be. Come and rest and dream a little bit and look at really sparkly things.
0: Yeah. So. And you'll yeah. find the most amazing pieces. I promise <laughs> you that. <laughs> <laughs>